Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Hey, thank you for, uh, for listening today and, and downloading this episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA lessons that cannot be learned in school. I'm your host, Adam Kipnis. Um, always appreciate everyone being on the show and um, supporting me and supporting my guests in um, what they're doing and, and most importantly, taking their lessons to heart. The folks who come on the show have successful businesses that they started their own and have learned things along the way, and they're here to share that with you all, listeners. So the best way you can, uh, so to speak, repay us is by implementing the, the tips, ideas, and lessons that they provide. Um, as always, today's show is in part sponsored by Powertexting.com. Powertexting.com is an easy-to-use, low-cost platform to stay in touch with prospects and clients without using traditional email. You can talk to them. Texts have a 80% open rate. It's a great way to stay in front of folks and to alert them on what you're doing. And Powertexting.com gives away a free vacation to one listener of every podcast episode that I do. And a little bit later, I'll show you how to get um, registered for the drawing, and hopefully you'll win that trip. Entrepreneurism is based on having an idea or finding a need and solving it for clients out there. And, and the most important thing to keep a business going is always attracting new clients. That's the focus of my business, is helping you find more clients and utilize the lessons that everyone on my show has. Um, I encourage you to download my book at freebookfromadam.com. It's eight steps that are easy to implement without costing money out of your pocket in order to attract clients now. So those of you who need clients, definitely grab that book. It's, uh, it's exactly what you're looking for if you're looking for clients today. I'm excited to talk to my guest today because he's got a little bit different focus in what he does in business, but also he comes from um, an Army background. He uh, spent his time in the military and then went on to start his business, and now he has actually multiple businesses. I'd like to invite Casey Stubbs to the show. Casey, I appreciate you taking some time today. Thanks for having me on the show, Adam. Very happy to be here. Great. Look forward to all the, all the tips that you have for the listeners, but I want to start with learning a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. How did you start? Was this something that was always in your blood? You know, uh, I don't know how many people would come up with this answer. I, I'd be interested since you're interviewing in, entrepreneurs a lot, but for me, it's kind of like just who, a part of who I am. You know, I actually didn't start my first official, well, I started my first official business when I was like 22. And so, but as a young man, I always knew that I was going to be doing things to make money. I was always thinking about making money and just, and it's not just about making the money, but it's, uh, it's the, the, just the excitement of thinking of the plan and executing the plan and the ups and the downs and just the growth, you know, it's exciting to be able to grow. It's exciting to be able to do new things. And, um, I've always had that in me. And so this current business that I'm running now, I just celebrated my 10-year anniversary uh, in January. So that was, it was huge. And on top of it being 10 years, it was my best year ever. Um, so those are two really good things. Um, 
but I didn't actually start this till I was 32. I had several failed businesses before this one, uh, but it was something that I always had in me. And this particular one was kind of started out of necessity because in 2008 I was in construction and I was a, a laborer. I got out of the army. I got a, a laborer position in the union and I was um, building pretty big construction projects, uh, commercial jobs, you know, like big, big buildings and hospitals and schools and things like that. And um, in 2008, the industry really just shut down construction. We had the bad financial event and construction shut down, so there was no work available. And so I didn't have, I kept trying to find work in the construction industry, couldn't find anything, but I had a really strong uh, understanding of finance and it was my hobby. And so I thought, well, since I'm out of work and can't find anything, maybe I'll just try a, a website. So I started my own website. I read an article online called How to Make $1,000 a Month uh, Online. And so I read that article and I did everything that article said to do. And, you know, I was on unemployment. And so by the time my unemployment ran out, I didn't have to go back to work. Uh, the website paid off. The article I read, I followed the instructions and it worked. And here I am 10 years later. Wow. So that's, uh, that's an interesting path because you, you said that it's always been in you, this, this sort of drive to, to do something new and to do something different. And I'd say about half of the people I interview um, start on a traditional course, whether you know, it, it, it's college, get a job, work in your job, and that springs into a business. The other half are a little bit like you that uh, have charted their own course from the beginning, and um, it's always been sort of in their DNA. But, but you sort of took a hybrid of those two things, it sounds like, with your military background, obviously very structured, very much someone saying, hey, here's what you do, make the best of it, um, and then working in construction, which is a little bit more traditional, although that there's some free form to it. How did you switch to websites? I mean, obviously, you, you needed something to do, and, and you, you studied and you found it, but that's a big change from military and construction to running a website. Yeah, it sure is, and I'll tell you, there's not a day that goes by that I'm not thankful <laughs> that I'm not in construction <laughs> anymore. Like today, when it's like 15 degrees outside and I see the guys outside, I'm like, boy, I am sure glad I'm not doing that anymore. You've got to give <laughs> those guys a lot of credit. That's tough work. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's hard on the body, but it's hard on the brain to go out there and do it every day. Do you miss being outside and, and active as you were in your prior careers? Yeah, the biggest thing is the activity. Uh, I have to do exercise now. Before it was just built in in the job. It's easy to gain weight when you're sitting behind a computer desk. Um, but, but to answer your actual question, uh, I was always doing a little bit of side work, even when I was in the Army. You know, when I was in the Army, I was like the guy who actually had money. Everybody else was broke, living paycheck to paycheck. We all made the same amount. But for some reason, I would do extra things with my revenue. I would try to create something out of it. And the same thing when I was in construction, I had, I had side jobs. You know, I always had side jobs and entrepreneurial projects that I was working on on the side. And to, to, to really answer your question about the website and just a lot of things that happened as I was growing up, you know, my aunt, uh, my aunt who was really impactful in my life worked for Intel a computer company, they make chips, and she would always bring home the extra computer parts when I was a kid. 
and we would build computers. And she taught me how to do that. She taught me how to use computers in the mid 80s, like a old compact uh, PC that was like a suitcase. And they were really expensive, but uh, she taught me how to do that. So I had this computer knowledge from my aunt. And then I had a finance knowledge from my dad because when I was uh, 16, he was really involved in stock trading and he needed someone to teach him how to bring how to use the online platforms because it was just starting to go online. And so he's like, I don't know how to use this computer. Can you show me? So while I was showing him how to use the computer, I saw what he was doing with the stocks and that got me really interested in it. So it was just a combination of the financial interest of my dad and the computer interests of uh, my aunt that I just stayed active in those areas my whole life. And then it made sense to just try something. And, and it put you in position to have a successful 10 year business and, and growing with your, with your best year yet. But you mentioned that you had several failed businesses beforehand or failed ventures uh, that, that maybe even didn't become businesses. And there's a quote that says, a smart person learns from their own mistakes, a genius, genius learns from the mistakes of others. So we're going to learn from your mistakes right now. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about some of those earlier ventures and what did you do and, and what ultimately was the downfall of those? I actually need to listen to your podcast more so I can get into the genius status so I can start <laughs> learning from the mistakes of others. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's very true, but I think that nothing, nothing is as important as experience. Like you can read a book and get a lot of knowledge, which I, I'm a huge reader, so that's a big thing I read constantly. But at the same time,
Right. So I learn a lot by reading and it's been really good. And I also learn by mentors too. I have a lot of business mentors. I think that's critical. I have people that I like to run things by. And so people that have gone ahead of me, I think having a mentor and I'm also involved in a lot of masterminds too. Both of those things have really helped me out and helped me with my learning curve. I found that the relationships that you have in life can really help you in business and not just in business, but in every area of your life. So I would encourage people that are in business, if they feel like they're alone or they're uh, going against things that are new to them and maybe they don't have anyone to talk to, that you've got to go out and find other business owners, successful business owners that you can talk to and be friends with and learn from. And even just to how to talk about the daily challenges, because a lot of business owners have challenges that other people can't understand because they've never done it. And so having those kind of friends will make a really big difference in your life and in success in your business as well. Yes. And as a, that's music to my ears as a business coach. Um, you know, sometimes the hardest thing for, for me to, to really get across to the, the people I'm talking to is the benefit of having that third party, that thought partner, that idea partner that, that has been there and seen things. And is that something that you were, again, was that something you were born with? Did you do that as a kid and, and growing up? Or is that something that you learned was valuable through experience? Oh, that's definitely something that I learned. I was always like, go and figure it out on my own and just go do it. I'm an action taking guy and I just believe in getting things done. That's one of my strengths. Uh, it took me a while to learn about, you know, seeking people out and uh, looking at people for advice and trying to get those solid people in my life. That, that was something that learned and has made a tremendous difference, huge difference. In, in the success of my business over the last few years. And, and how did that come about? Was it somebody that was already in your life that, that popped up and, and gave you advice, or did you actively seek somebody out in order to get that, um, that additional mind um, in, in your business and that additional learning that goes along with it? It was uh, definitely not someone that I knew. I didn't really have any business contacts in my personal life. But uh, it was me actively seeking out mentors and finding them. And as the business developed, I would make connections with other people that were ahead of me and just become friends with them. And again, it's not just to uh, squeeze everything out of them, but it's also it provides value for them, too, because you provide insight for them. And uh, as then as it progresses, my business was becoming successful uh, I then went ahead and joined a couple masterminds uh, just in the industry that I've been involved in, uh, groups of successful business owners working together and talking through their problems together. That's great. And, and for the listeners that don't know the mastermind concept, um, you know, Napoleon Hill, I believe in chapter two of Thinking Grow Rich, talked about the mastermind that you bring two minds together and it creates a third mind. Uh, that, that really helps ideas and, and really moves businesses forward. Where, where do you find yours? And for the listeners out there, how can you help somebody who's never been in a mastermind identify one that may work or even where to start? That's a, a good question. I found all mine just through uh, as I was growing in the business and it resources people that are teaching traditionally. Uh, if you, uh, if you're, 
learning from someone online, a lot of times they'll have something like that. They'll have a mastermind. And for me, it was a really huge step. And that was a really big thing because the first mastermind I joined cost $20,000 a year to join. And so I'm thinking to myself, $20,000, that's a boatload of money. Like, should I really spend this money on this? Is this going to be worth it? And then what you realize, I just, it was, it was a huge step. I was really terrified. There was a couple things in my mind that was, first of all, I was like, this is a lot of money. I can't afford this. The second thing that I was thinking was, these people are out of my league. I don't belong here. I shouldn't even be here with these people. You know, thoughts like that, just the negative uh, self-talk that I had to overcome. But once I went ahead and overcame my fear, fear of the money and fear of not belonging, I went out there I probably made that money back like in the first couple meetings just because of the ideas that I got, the new business connections that I made, and the deals that were happening. I went to one, one meeting and made a deal with a guy and made $12,000 just right there because uh, what I do in my industry is I buy and sell financial traffic. And so it just so happened a guy that was looking for financial traffic was at the mastermind and he's like, yeah, okay, I'll buy some. And I did a $12,000 deal, dollar deal right there. And so wow, that's amazing. Right. And so it was totally worth it. And I still do it to this day. And the, you travel uh, to, to go to the meetings. That's probably the bit for me. That's the biggest drawback because I have a big family. And so I try to limit my travel as much as possible. And, and you said that, that, that you buy and sell financial traffic and, while we might not get into sort of the nuts and bolts of what that is, being a very specific industry, what I find interesting is that your niche is not the traditional you sell a widget to a buyer that many people have in their business. You found something where there was a need in the marketplace and you were able to fulfill it through your strengths and your connections. How, how did you find that, that hole in the marketplace where you could provide a service that isn't an obvious service to most people out there and, and to most of the people in your network to be buyers from you? How did you find the right people and, and that, that hole in the marketplace that you could fill? You know, this is a great question, and it's so interesting because I don't know how many other business owners go through the path that I've gone through. I'm sure each one is different, but for me, this was definitely not a straightforward path. I didn't really even know what I was doing, to be honest. I it just kind of stumbled upon it. I know people don't want to hear that. <laughs> you know, they want me to say, okay, this is what to do. You know, I actually had no idea that this even existed, but I started my website in 2009 uh, when I was laid off and had no work. And what happened was some of the articles that I wrote got picked up by uh, some of the bigger media sites and they started sending traffic to my website. And I, you know, after two months of having my site, I got a lot of traffic and I didn't know what to do with that traffic. I had no clue. Well, then I learned that, well, the very first thing you do is you got to start building an email list. So I went ahead and started building the email list. Then I realized that I could sell advertisements. And so right away within the second or third month, my main source of revenue was advertisements. Uh, advertisements on my websites and then people uh, wanting me to send emails for them to promote their products. And so I, w I just kind of discovered it and randomly didn't even know that that industry existed. And what has happened is that I've developed a really good skill set for getting traffic, getting quality 
targeted traffic for my industry. And that skill set is something that is in high demand. A lot of people have a, a very difficult time with that traffic. Um, but I've, as I've developed that skill, it's, um, I've been able to slowly grow it and scale it and increase it year over year. And that's a great lesson right there in, in that we all have strengths. Whatever those strengths may be, some may not be obvious in terms of how to turn it into a business, but we all have strengths. And if you figure out what you're good at or what your strength is, there is always a market for whatever it is. So while it might not be obvious initially, if you know what you're good at, then you just figure out who is it that needs what I'm good at. And now that you, you've, you've figured out what you're good at, you've proven it over 10 years, you still need to grow the business. And in order to have your most successful year in the 10 years you've, you've been doing this, how are you finding those people looking for the traffic that you provide? And how are you continuing to source new clients? So one of the things I do is I, should, I get on podcasts like this and I talk and, you know, as you get your, your, your audience out, people will find you. The other thing is just in the business, word of mouth is, is good. People will be like, oh, hey, I got some good traffic from him. You can go ahead and try it out. And I've built a lot of relationships in the business. And another uh, really specific strategy for, for cold traffic is to use LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a really good tool for finding people in your industry. And so what I do is I go into LinkedIn and I do a search for financial services providers that and then I look at their profile and I can see what they do. And then if I see that they're, they have an online presence, I'll send them a, a message trying to um, promote my services via LinkedIn. Because that's, if you're doing a business-to-business -business type business, then LinkedIn is a really good resource that you should be taking advantage of. And it takes a little bit to learn the process. You want to don't, you don't want to appear salesy or rude or just send a lot of stupid emails because most of those will get rejected. But you want to, I actually have a system that I use to connect with people where I'm not like overbearing over the top and it seems to work really well. We're talking to Casey Stubbs today, talking about his path to entrepreneurship and, and how he gains his clients and, and talking a little bit here about LinkedIn. I wanted to circle back to um, our sponsor, powertexting.com, and the free vacation that they give away. So what I request anyone who wants to win a free vacation, and we give one away on every podcast episode, go to podcasttrip.com and um, register to win there. So if you go to podcasttrip.com, you can register to win a great vacation with Las Vegas, Orlando, Cancun, Puerto Vallarta. There's a number of choices of places to go, all high-end resorts. So Casey, we're talking a second ago about LinkedIn and, and using that strategy and not being too salesy. And you can't give away all of your secrets and, uh, on a, a free podcast, but do you have any additional tips for people? When, how do you not appear salesy? Because when you reach out to someone and say, hey, we're connected, let's see what we can do together, it, it's natural for us to think, this person knows I'm trying to sell them something. How do I do it differently? What's a tip or two that you use in order to get past that first icebreaker part of the conversation on LinkedIn? 
Well, the thing is, it's really not about me. It is about me and it's not about me. I've got a great skill set and I need people to know that I'm really good at what I do, but I'm not going to go ahead and just talk about that right away. I'm going to find out what their problem is and how I can solve their problem. It's really about being a problem solver. That's how I grow my business by solving my own problems. And so I want to do that for other people. I know if you have a traffic problem, I'm the guy that you go to to solve it. And so what I do is I make a connection without um, – without being overbearing, like I said, just like, hey, how are you doing? I see uh, that you're in the financial industry, and I'm also in the financial industry, and do you have any need for traffic? So you just ask them if they have this specific need. Uh, if you do have a need, I could help you with that, rather than, uh, you know, I, I, get, I just was going through some of my messages as you were talking, and I just get inundated with these messages saying, hey, this is what I do. Please click here and find out about my services. Right. As soon as I get that, I just delete it. Like, I don't even pay any attention to that. But if it seems like something that can impact me, if somebody says, hey, I have this thing I can help you with, well, then I'm going to listen to it. Right. So, so it's about identifying their problem. And I, and I like to say in, in my coaching, there's a problem people have that they don't want and there's a solution they want that they don't have and that's why people become buyers in in identifying people's problems uh it there's an art to it in in getting them to open up and that's hard enough face to face um but you seem to do it successfully both face to face and electronically do you see any commonalities in the way that you connect with people that you meet at masterminds or that you meet through individual contacts versus how you meet them online or do you use the same process? I use the same process primarily. When I'm meeting in person, I really try to listen to people rather than just talk about myself. I want to hear about what they need. And usually at a, to me, I don't really have a, like this hidden agenda where, okay, I'm going to try to make a certain amount of sales. To me, if your goal truly is to help as many people as you can, then the right clients will come to you. I personally when I'm going to a mastermind, I really have no desire to try to make sales. I'm just trying to learn and to, and to help people. And so when I'm on LinkedIn, I'm, I'm trying to make sales, yes. But, it, but I still have that same concept. If there's a way I can help them, even if it's not connected with, uh, with what I do, maybe I'll connect them with someone else and I can be a valuable resource. I just try to add value in every single relationship that I have, no matter what. I just believe that adding value is really important and eventually that will come back to you. Another thing is just uh, it's your relationship and your reputation. You know, as you're online for 10 years, your LinkedIn profile, make it look really good. Your, all of your social profiles, do a really good job on them. Uh, share how you solve people's problems right on your social profile. And as your profiles grow, your reputation grows, and eventually it gets a little bit easier because when they see you and you have a reputation, it's a much easier to gain their trust because it's really about trust. There's, if you say you can solve someone's problem, do they really believe that you can, they can solve your problem? Because a, a lot of times people will tell you they're going to solve your problem, but they really won't, especially in my industry, probably in every industry. I have personally paid for traffic services more times than I can count, and almost every time I ended up with a big letdown. Right. And so I know when I'm, if I've bought traffic and it's been a big letdown, 
I know that other people have gone through that same experience. And that's one of the reasons why I learned it for myself because every time I buy it, it was a big letdown. So I'm like, I just can't rely on people anymore. I've got to learn how to do this. <laughs> and, and so you had a need and you tried to hire others and it didn't work. And so you eventually learned how to do it for yourself. So now you can help others. The, in, in our business, the, the entrepreneurial space, I will call it, there's a fine line between providing value and connecting with someone so they will be a client. It's easy to give away your information for free rather than get people to pay you for it because we're always so passionate about it. How do you toe that line of giving people information so they can make a buying decision without giving them your tips and tricks for free in order to get them to be a client? I give them everything. I don't hold anything back. And I, there's a real reason why. For one, I like to be helpful. And for two, the, amount, the processes that I go through uh, to get to the systems that I've created takes a pretty big team. It takes you know, a lot of experience and it takes a lot of work. Like just to briefly describe what I do to drive my traffic, I've got social ads running on Google. I've got them running on Facebook. I've got them running on YouTube. I'm running push notifications. I'm running Facebook notifications. I have content marketing going out on uh, multiple websites. I have uh, videos being created on multiple websites. I'm paying a lot of money for search engine optimization. My, my traffic budget is tremendous. It's $50,000 a month. So I know that I can tell you everything that I do, but most people just don't have the resources to even do that. So if you want to do it on your own, go for it. I'm, I'm going to help you. It, I don't really look at anybody as competition. There's enough room for everybody. But at the same time, it's really hard. <laughs> so I don't mind sharing it because I know that most people aren't going to be able to do it. Interesting. So, so you know that you can give it away and people will still come to you because of the sheer complexity of your business, but also the time and energy it takes away from their business, which leads me to, to my next question specific to you. You've got ads running in different places, SEO. You've got to continually optimize. You've got to continuously read and learn about what's going on in the marketplace. And a number of, of entrepreneurs that I work with can get bogged down in that. How do you, how do you personally make time for it all? in order to do all of those things, but also get new clients and grow your business at the same time. Well, that's, that's the thing. And, and the secret is this, you just do one thing at a time, right? I've got all of these things that I'm running, but I didn't get there overnight. I did one thing at a time. Once you master one thing, then you move on to the next. And then you do one thing at a time and then you train people to do those things. And so in each one of those areas, I have people doing those things for me. And so you've, you've been able to, to replicate yourself in, in different areas. Are those people employees or are those people vendors that have their own businesses that you utilize? How do it's you a mix. work with them? It's a mix. And, you know, that's another thing that I think about when you talk about giving your secrets away. My strategy has been when I hire someone, I sit them right next to me and I basically teach them everything I know, right? And that doesn't take too long, <laughs> but you know, I don't hold anything back. I'm not like, Oh man, this guy's going to leave me. He's going to go somewhere else. He's going to steal my job. He's going to start his own business. 
I'm just like, look, this is everything I know. Do the best you can. And I try to, I try to lead and say, look, we're going to do really well if we stick together. I'm going to, as long as you're helping me grow, I'm helping you grow. I try to make a big vision big enough for all of us. Cause I know if I, I'm trying to catch, I'm trying to catch what I call empire builders, right? I don't want to, I'm an empire builder. It's who I am. It's who I was created to be. I want other empire builders with me, right? And I want to paint a big enough vision that they don't have to worry about not having that growth because empire builders want to grow. And I'm going to say, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get all the growth you want and we're going to do it together. And so I just teach them everything I have. And so far that's worked really well for me. That's fascinating. That's amazing. And it sounds like you have a passion for not only your business and growing yourself, but a, a huge passion for growing others, which is probably why masterminds are, are a big part of, of just your life and your education. Was that something that was always in you? Were you always helping develop others, in, whether you were in construction or whether you were in, in the Army um, and now in your business? Has that always, always been your, uh, a focus of yours? No, that hasn't. It was always growing and making money. But I think just as you continue to grow, you know, when you're an entrepreneur and just a, a value adder in general in life, you're always, I'm always reading because I'm always trying to personally grow. So I think it's just as I've grown, that's my vision has expanded to being an entrepreneur and to help others. So when I hire someone, you know, I've, when I go through my interview process, I say, look, we one of my goals here is to help you reach your goals. Like you're going to help me reach mine, but don't forget I'm here to help you reach yours. So if you want to make more money, if you want to have a, a better home life, if you want to, uh, you know, be able to travel and do some of the things that you want to do, I'm here to help you accomplish your goals. For me, it's a win if you accomplish your goals. And so people love that. They absolutely I, love it. I, I love that you do that for people. That's fantastic. And, and that's such a, a value add to society over and above the, the money you create for yourself and others, uh, creating the growth in others. And a couple more quick questions before we wrap up. You said that you're a big reader. What's your favorite book and what are you reading right now? Ooh, that's a tough question. <laughs> uh, you know, on the investing side, my favorite book is uh, Rich Dad, Porter Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I'm sure you've probably heard that one before. That's just, it's so good from the business side of things because, you know, he was, there's a great story in that book where he makes, he, his rich dad makes him work for free. And I just love that he's not paying him. He doesn't pay him anything. He says, you, but he, while he was working, he had an opportunity to make extra money on the side because he took the used comic books and resold them. And uh, he said, what, he taught, what my rich dad taught me was much more valuable than a paycheck. And uh, he taught me how to create money. And I just love that. It's just, it, for any entrepreneur, they've got to read that book. That's a fantastic book. And uh, I was one of, one of the business books I just recently read, I actually have, it was written by Ray Dalio, but I forgot the name of the book. Um, I just read it too, and it just slipped my mind. Oh, it's, I just looked it up. It's Principles, Principles by Ray Dalio. Really good business book. Um, and he shares all of his principles on how he makes decisions, you know, why business decisions are so important and how those decisions are so difficult and the processes that he 
has created to help him make the best decisions possible. Really good book. And, and Ray Dalio, for those of you who don't know, he's, he's the, uh, the founder of the largest hedge fund in the world, about $160 billion they manage. Um, and he has something, and I don't know if he talks about it in that book, but I've heard it in others. He has sort of a model called radical candor where everyone in the company is essentially required to tell people when they failed. There's no, oh, that was great, just because Ray's the boss and you tell him he's always great. He wants to know when he hasn't been successful. Was that part of his, that book, do you recall? Yeah, and I love that. I love that. It's so important. I try to implement that as well. And it was great because he shares a story about how his two leaders, they took him out to dinner. You know, he's the big boss, but his, you know, his two most important people other than him took him out to dinner and they said, Ray, you're just crushing all of our employees. Like, (laughs) you know, the way that you communicate is just too hard. People can't deal with that. You need to really lighten up. And so, you know, he really appreciated that honesty because he had no idea because entrepreneurial people at times can really be dumb. (laughs) <laughs> and, what, and, and here's why problems I don't see these problems the same way other people see them some of my workers can have concerns and to me it's like so small and insignificant it's like oh that's not a big deal let's keep moving right I've been built with big shoulders to carry a lot of weight not everybody sees life like me and so if I dismiss the way that they view things and I dismiss their problems as being inconsequential or unimportant, that really damages the relationship that you have with your employees. So you have to kind of really try to hear things from their side of view and understand that just because we think different doesn't mean that it's wrong. They really do feel the things that they feel. That's awesome. And a great way to wrap up. I appreciate you being here, Casey. Thank you so much for the ideas, the, the lessons, there was a lot in there that, that we can all take to heart and we can all learn from in our businesses. And I just love that the, the way you give back and the way you help develop others. Thanks for the time today and appreciate everything that you do for your employees and for your clients. Thanks, Adam. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Really enjoyed it. Great. Talk to you soon. And thanks, everyone, for listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. I look forward to the next episode. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.